So Brandon and Brian, did you ever consider the fact that in the Bible they did not have microphones and they did not have megaphones? They did not have megaphones or microphones in the Bible, but they had mountains. So if you wanted to tell something that everybody was going to hear, you told it from the mountain so everybody in the holla could hear you, which is where we get the phrase, holla, if you hear me. Now, I just made that up. Merry Christmas. But if I posted it on Facebook, you'd believe it. You sure would. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, you know, what I got to thank God for, we have any given Sunday, but, but here we are, um, Christmas Eve Sunday. We've got an army of volunteers every week that work. I mean, really, this is our church putting on church. Every Sunday, our church putting on church. And so just to let you know, I've decided for all our volunteers, they're going to get double overtime today. They get a double overtime today, all the volunteers. Uh, Ed Hale passed on yesterday, 97 years old. I'm so going to miss pointing him out uh, every um, uh, Veterans Day as being one of the last still walking members of uh, World War II. And, uh, but he, you know, he went out like, just like he was around here. I mean, he, he went to sleep thinking he was going to wake up and keep working. And uh, he was asking for, you know, paper and pen. Um, I mean, right there, just, uh, you know, I don't know, taking notes or whatever. So, I'm, I, you know, uh, I'm going to miss Ed Hale. I don't think he's going to miss us. I think, I think he is probably telling some angel right now, saying, look, you need to tune me into the live stream at Harvest Baptist Church, and I want, I want one of the handouts so I can fill that in. And uh, so, praise the Lord. Only thing I wanted for Christmas, as I mentioned, was two signed real estate contracts. Praise the Lord. At the end of last week, we finally got a signature page from the school district. And we'd already signed the contract with Timothy Lutheran for the R.D. Mize location. And I think uh, exact closing probably be up to the title company, but maybe as early as the first week of January. And so, uh, so be praying because then from there we've got a number of things we have to do before we can move in. And so I've put safety uh, items at the, at the top of the list. But really, we need to repair, replace, do some remodeling. So we're going to have to fix everything that's broken, rusted, and worn out. So we just got to do things. That includes uh, HVAC units on top of the gym. And, uh, you know, we can either spend $65,000 for a new HVAC unit, or we can spend $65,000 to move about four units that we had recently bought from here to go over there. Uh, so those are the type of details that, you, that the board uh, kind of oversees on your behalf and things that we're, we'll be trying to work through, uh, trying to get the place ready uh, in, uh, in January, uh, more or less move things in February, trust the Lord for a soft launch March 1st, and then the big grand opening Easter Sunday in March. And that's still a very condensed thing. So you, the, all I'm saying is you still need to keep praying uh, because we got all that work to do, but at least we got, we got the real estate contracts in line. So uh, also I thought I'd mention, so I think there, there may be a few of these books left out in our lobby, but Greg Axe and I wrote a book on the King James Bible and uh, probably more so him than me, but 
you know, his name is, is so violent that Amazon doesn't, didn't like us, didn't want us to post the book. Uh, welcome to Artificial Intelligence. So my name's on it also, and, and um, so I think there's still a few out in the lobby. Uh, all I was going to say is that if you read it, if you like it, uh, if you would please rate and review us on Amazon, and if you don't like it, don't do nothing. Okay, <laughs> praise the Lord. Go ahead and bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're thankful, Lord, we come before you on this Christmas Eve Sunday. And Lord, it's a time that not just we as believers, but really the world in some form and fashion celebrates the birth of your son, Jesus. And Lord, uh, whether, whether it's the right day or not, none of that matters. What matters is we are in this world, even though we are not of it. We can take advantage of this time. We can use it as a hook to get out the gospel, to tell people what Christmas is really about, why he, did, why he came, why he's not only no longer in a manger, he's no longer on the cross, but he is coming back. And Lord, we want to be ready. So help us do that today. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible with you, be turning to Luke chapter 1. So I don't know if it's too late to let you know this or not, but for $156 at Kohl's, $245 retail, you can buy a five-foot upside-down Christmas tree. Now, Martha Stewart says this is the ultimate statement-making holiday trend, and I'm sure it is, because that allows the maximum amount of present space underneath it. So upside down in this case is not a sign of distress, it's a sign of excess. You know, I'm going to bet that most of us do not need an upside down tree to be turned on our head this Christmas. Uh, Lori Pebert, a clinical psychologist and professor at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School, she calls mental health disorders a crisis in this country. But former Secretary of Labor and Professor of Public Policy at University of California, Berkeley, Robert Reich, makes a good point, and it's exactly the point that I've been making. I've been saying this for a while. And that point is that widespread anxiety and depression, along with near-record rates of suicide, is not actually a personal disorder. He calls them rational responses to a society that's becoming ever more disordered. I mean, who is not concerned about rising cost of housing, groceries, gas, or anything else? Who is not concerned about growing job insecurity? Who does not worry about mass shootings at schools or public places? Who does not think about what's going on in other places in the world? We add into that incipient racism and mounting misogyny and, and issues of abortion and dysphoria and transgenderism. Then there's attacks on Jews and Muslims and others, plus all the growing ugliness of what we see and read in media and social media. So women have nearly double the incidence of depression. Blacks have a higher level of stress. So Reich asked the question, are women and blacks suffering from a disorder or are they simply responding to reality? Now what he says and what I second is that even if we had far more mental health professionals, 
what would they do against these formidable foes? Prescribe more pills? I mean, he says, if anything, Americans are probably already over-medicated. Now, if you're sitting next to one, just keep looking straight up here at me. His only solution is to make society healthier. Now, good luck with that, because we know, and this is my thesis for today's study, that the true solution to dysphoria, dysfunction, and disorienting disorders is to produce crucified Christians, to share the gospel so that those individuals who get saved get an exchange life with Christ and then can be discipled into Christ-likeness. And for your children who are safe, even though they are not yet saved, we teach them the value of Bible virtues and character qualities from Scripture because we want them to start turning to God in everything. But left unchecked, your holiday can be turned upside down in a hurry. (coughs) For example... All purchases that are put on credit card budgets. Now, do not ask Dave Ramsey about that. If he had any hair, he will light it on fire. If you talk to him about credit card budgets, like you looking at your credit limit and saying, well, that's my budget. We've got that. We've got hectic holiday schedules. We've got in-laws. We've got outlaws. we got your mama and your cousin them. we got, we got your drunk uncle. And wait, your car is worth less than what you owe on it. That is an upside-down car. So let me take you to our Christmas text here in Luke chapter 1, which lands us not in the birthplace, but in the hometown of Jesus at Nazareth. Verse 26 says, And in six months the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, not to Jerusalem, not up to the Temple Mount, not to the Pharisees, But of all places, Galilee of the Gentiles, a city named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So both the virgin and the man are of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So needless to say, Christmas found Mary, and there is a reason for that season, because in Nazareth, God found a female descendant of mighty King David, who was willing to believe that God's spirit would answer to his word and bring in the mighty Messiah. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. (coughs) Gabriel tells her, he says, Look, the power of the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. See, there's no man in this line of David that I can use Because I cursed that particular line. And since sin is passed on from Adam, well, I can't do it that way. So Mary, you need to know, you're okay. You're in that line of David. The Holy Ghost is going to have to overshadow you. And she is the only person to say, be it according to thy word. I mean, it took a whole separate dream for Joseph to get on board with this. Matthew 1. And an absolute inversion of what should be wedded bliss and the expectant joy of motherhood. (coughs) Here's Mary. She's spending most of her pregnancy 
um, alienated from her friends, confusing her family and giving birth far away from her hometown and her support system. I mean, how much of a support system do you think you would need uh, to give birth, not in a cave, but in an animal manger, a feed stall, because there's no room in the guest rooms. But because she believed God's word, she had a whole choir of angels, a cheering section of shepherds, and the peanut gallery of the Magi, not to mention the little drummer boy keeping the baby awake. (laughs) So that's either upside down or that's amazing, depending on your faith. And the sad thing is, so many of our family and friends miss the reason for this season for them. So turn to Luke chapter 4. I want us to go now after the bump, all the way back to Nazareth, after Jesus has grown up and he's preaching. Jesus leaves Nazareth. He establishes his headquarters for ministry in the northern Galilean city of Capernaum, Matthew 4.13. But this one time, he goes back to the place he was raised, to sit in synagogue in Nazareth. Nathaniel had asked, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth, John 1, verse 46. But here we discover it's not about the place. It's about the person, about the presence, and about the power of Jesus. Watch, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So Jesus returns to Nazareth. He delivers the same message there. He's been preaching every place else. I mean, this is a Nazareth which heard from not one, but two of its upstanding young adults that angels were giving important messages about the Messiah. And yet the people refused to believe. Why? Because they were too familiar with Mary and Joseph to believe that God could actually use them. So Nazareth was the first place to see evidence of Mary's pregnancy. Nazareth is the first place to watch Joseph's reaction based on believing the miracle that took place. Nazareth has the scriptures in their synagogue, not original manuscripts, but copies of copies of copies of copies of copies of copies of copies. And yet they believed from Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, and other places in their Bible, that those scriptures were providentially preserved words right down to their own time and place. So they read Isaiah 7, 14, and his promise that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. They knew the prophets told them he shall be called a Nazarene, Matthew chapter 2, verse 23. But despite the miracles he had done in all those other places, they refused to believe that Jesus could be their Messiah. And that's kind of like us at Christmas. We know all the stories, we sing all the songs, we've normalized the light and the celebration and the gifts. But because of stress, stressors, and what a recent New York Times article calls the discovery of PDD. PDD is persistent depressive disorder. So because of that, our tree and our Christmas is upside down. Somebody was doing their last minute shopping in a crowded store at a crowded shopping center and I mean, they were tired of looking for parking spaces and fighting the crowds and standing in lines and elbowing their way down the aisle, trying to find that gift that had sold out the day before and tired of having to go pee. 
that person's arms full of these bulky packages, and when the elevator door opens, it's full. And the occupants grudgingly close ranks to allow small space for that person and their load. But as the doors close, he shouts out, whoever's responsible for this whole Christmas thing, they ought to be arrested, tried, and shot. Few others nodded their heads or grunted in agreement. Then, then from the back came a childlike voice that said, don't worry, they already crucified him. How can you give people the right message right now at this time, just like Jesus did? Don't you see relief as the best message you can give people at this Christmas? I mean, not just on tomorrow, but really any time. To know, and this is our first point for study, to know that God was with us in Jesus in order to die for us so that when we trust in his finished work on the cross, he adds us to his kingdom for eternity. And why not simply believe his word, whether or not you see a temporary, contemporary miracle? Oh, wait, you know what? The contemporary miracle is your English Bible in the King James Version. So why not just say, be it unto me according to your word. See, see, watch, the name Nazareth means a branch. One of those prophets who spoke, Isaiah, in chapter 11, verse 1, he says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a Nazarene shall grow out of his roots. Now, did you see what God did right there? He said branch, but then he had Jesus' hometown be called branch. And then he had Matthew state that the prophets actually predicted Jesus would be born in Nazareth. And, and whenever the scholars go back to try and find that reference that Matthew is referring to, they can't find it because they do not believe God's words enough to let them work. But this is really important because Jesse was David's father and David's dynasty, dynasty had been cut off from God. That was the reason why there was only a stem left at the root. Cut down like a tree, the whole line of the Messiah was broken. I mean, talk about PTSD for an entire people. This was their only hope. But Jeremiah is another one of those prophets who spoke, saying, hey, the root is still there. Jeremiah 23, 5, 33, 15. And Zechariah is the prophet who tells you that this Nazarene's name is going to be Jesus. Actually, Old Testament version, Joshua, Zechariah 3, 8 and 6, 12. So I'll give you a guess how few of the scholars catch God's drift in that. You want to see the answer to our crisis? Can I just show you the infallible solution for our society today or for any individual in it? Because this is what Jesus preached at Nazareth. Watch. Luke chapter 4, begin in verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted. 
to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering a sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And that is still the only infallible answer for your upside down Christmas. So watch, this number one, you need to receive the spirit of the Lord. Because we deal with the spiritually bankrupt today. We deal with people who have been taught not to believe in sin. To believe there is no way they could be a sinner. Because all they are doing is looking inside to find their own truth and to see who they really are. Well, yeah, you're a sinner. I mean, that's that's the conclusion you need to come away with. Have you trusted Jesus for everlasting life and been born again? Because if you do, God puts you in Christ, Holy Spirit in you. That is salvation. That is getting saved. That is becoming a Christian. Because that is the gospel good news in verse 18. That's the first thing Jesus was anointed to preach. Because you've got to start at that spot. And then the Spirit of God will answer the Word of God as you read, study, and follow it. And the word of God will do the work. Second, second, this number two, you need healing for your broken heart. So not only the spiritually bankrupt, we deal with the emotionally battered because that is the source of our mental health crisis. It is a heart shattered to pieces, whether from sinful choices or sorrowful circumstances. It's not the economy, stupid. And it's not policy, it is the emotions. How do you have any social emotional learning without learning this? Okay, I get tired of dealing with this, so let me deal with it. Because this isn't your fault, this is not your fault. But you know me. I'm, uh, I'm not going to talk down to you like you're stupid. And I'm not going to ignore it. Because this is the way it is, and it is just this important. If you happen to be reading from a translation that does not reference Jesus being anointed to heal the brokenhearted, like the Christian Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, the New American Standard Bible, the New International Version, then you are reading from a defective Bible, a corrupted Bible. Now, I'm not a conspiracy nut by any means, except in this one area of the Bible Because the Bible says that the only real conspiracy is that of this present world, your flesh, and the devil who conspires against you with the other two. But this is exactly why the church has let our society down. Because of all the things they need for mental health, broken-hearted healing is it. And yet... And yet, we have dropped it from our modern Bibles. What about Harvest Baptist Church? Well, 2 Corinthians 2.17, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God. Now, do I have to tell you that if you're reading from a modern Bible, it doesn't even read like this? (laughs) They take out the, obviously, they take out the references that accuse them of corrupting the Bible. Okay. We're not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. We sincerely believe that the English Bible that God gave you for 290 years, from 1611 to 1901, we believe 
that the Bible God gave you from the, for that span? Well, then that, that is God's words, and it is of God. So don't take this personal by any means, because they were doing this even in Paul's day. But, but the Spirit of God cannot answer to the Word of God if you do not have God's words. Hello, somebody. That's a statement you ought to write down. The Spirit of God cannot answer to the Word of God if you do not have God's words. And because we do not have God's words, then over time, not overnight, it's taken decades, but we are right there now. Because we've given up God's words, we do not have the Spirit of God to bring healing to people. So the devil's done a grand job of putting us in the state that our society is in today with a mental health crisis, and most of our churches have helped him. And that is done by using your modern Bible translators because despite the affirming and the confirming evidence from Isaiah 61 verse 1, which is the original where where this phrase is found, they refuse to state that Jesus was anointed to heal the brokenhearted. And you know, unusually, if something is as broken as you, it becomes valueless. But Jesus puts a premium on healing you. So if you think that biblical authority in the King James Bible is not a big deal, and that what English Bible you put your trust in is not important, what I'm saying is it is just that serious. The greed for money is so great among Bible publishers, especially publishers of modern Greek New Testament text. And the skepticism of God's word is so high among their scholars and their translators. They will follow corrupted manuscripts, which omit omit something just that obvious, because they know that most Christians are not paying attention. And then we're left with this gaping hole in our gospel. Oh, Lord. Third, third, this is number three. You need release from the bondage of captivity to your addictions. Because we deal with the spiritually bankrupt, the emotionally battered, and also the physically bound. So Robert Reich says, white men without college degrees are vulnerable to suicide, overdoses, alcoholic liver diseases, and the cardiovascular effects of obesity. Now let me translate Reich for you. So I don't think he quite gets this right. The person who sins does not do what he wants, he does what sin wants. Am I right about it? The person who drinks excess, gets drunk, doesn't do what he wants. He does what the liquor wants. I think so. I think so. And it becomes a habit he cannot break. It becomes a pleasure he cannot deny. It becomes an indulgence that dominates, and you cannot get free. So are they suffering from a disorder, or are they responding to reality? And the answer is yes. They're responding to the only reality they have until you reach them and preach to them Jesus the Deliverer. Until you give them the gospel, which is God's balm from Gilead, Jeremiah 8:22 and 46:11. The gospel is not that God loves you. The gospel is not that Jesus loves you. That's, I mean, that's, those are true statements, but a lot of people believe that who are not even saved. The gospel is Jesus died in your place, a substitutionary sacrifice for your sin, so that you could get forgiveness and live forever with him. 
<coughs> you may have a habit, a hang up, a handicap, or a hurt, but Jesus will make you free, John 8, 36, because the truth of his words makes you free, John 8, 32. So in the final analysis, this number four, we deal also with the doctrinally blind because you need your eyes open to the realities of eternity and Christ's kingdom. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Paul says about those who are lost, in whom the God of this world, who is Satan, the devil, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They are blind to the gospel. They're blind to God's grace. They're blind to God. The God of this world, the devil, he has them blinded. Maybe he has you blinded. That's why your Christmas is so upside down, so out of kilter, so out of whack, so out of proportion to what happiness and true fulfillment is. Jesus gave the same commission to the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 26, 18, whom he sent to the Gentiles in order to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me, by the faith that is resident in Christ. Not by their faith, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So you need insight for your eyesight by getting saved, and then you need to be discipled. Because then over time, the Spirit always answers to the Word in order to deliver you. Who else is going to get God's words to our community? Who else? And if it's not somebody else's opportunity, then it's not their responsibility. It's yours and mine. We're the ones who have the opportunity. I don't know why. It's a God thing. We weren't even looking for this. I didn't even think this would work out. I didn't think it could happen to go from 17,000 square feet to 51, to have enough space for all that we need to do to have this opportunity to be in a better spot in the city, <clears throat> to have what we need to get. I don't even know how it's going to happen. I don't know how we, how we can even do this once we get there. All I know is that God is in it, and since it is our opportunity, that makes us our responsibility, because who else? I mean, not even just in this city, not even just in this suburb, not in, even just in this area, not even just in this state. How many others are getting God's words to the people who need them so that the Spirit of God can give them power in their weakness you stand inside the fire with the only message of hope available. In their book, The Deaths of Despair and the Future of Capitalism, economists Ann Case and Angus Deaton argue that the less educated are underpaid and disrespected and feel like the system is rigged against them. So much so that overall... Americans experience the least economic security of the citizens of any advanced nation. And then you know how we get in our sin. In our sin, we want to say, well, it's in the blood. Our blood is better. So the problem isn't us. We don't have sinful blood from Adam. No, we got great blood. It's all that blood coming in from other places. Well, then that's making us how bad we are. 
You know, the magic of Frank Capra's movie, It's a Wonderful Life, is George Bailey's opportunity to see what his community would be like without his bank's positive influence in that community. And all I'm trying to say is, your church is a lot more important to this world than your bank is. Your church, God's word, and this gospel. What did the angel say? Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. It may not be easy, but it won't be impossible. So what do you do being given the right message at the right time in the right place? The Christmas right-side-upping message of being justified by faith, the faith that is in Jesus, the faith that God will give you as a gift. Do not suffer the same fate as the family of Jesus, the citizens of his own hometown, and the inhabitants of Bethlehem. It's kind of like Knob Creek, Kentucky. Knob Creek, Kentucky produced Abraham Lincoln before it disappeared from the map. But isn't it interesting how both Nazareth and Bethlehem didn't disappear from the map, but they were filled with people who missed what God was doing at Christmas Because they didn't believe the word that God had given them, which was their scriptures that they had right at that moment, at that time, in that place, and simply say, God, let it be to me according to your word. A lost person is lost because of his or her lostness and needs light, doesn't need new policy initiatives. I mean, there's no number of mental health professionals. There's no amount of medications. There's no number of hotlines that will ever be enough to reduce stress, anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts. The anxiety disorders suffered by Americans are real, and apparently they're growing. But instead of understanding them solely as personal disorders, we need to see them as societal responses, responses to what's happening in society. And we need to get to work remedying the people in that society by bringing the only sure cure there is. Your debt has been canceled. Your deliverance has been completed. God's appointed one, God's anointed one came to save you. And the gospel good news is as good right now as it was back then. Jesus will deliver you spiritually bankrupt, emotionally battered, physically bound, and doctrinally blind. Ephesians 6.13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may may be able to withstand in the evil day. Withstand in the evil day. I mean, if this isn't the evil day, I don't know how much more evil it can get. Withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. God's whole armor includes the spirit's sword, which is the word of God, Ephesians 6, 17. So if God says to stand, he's already enabled you to do it. If God's given us an opportunity, he's already enabled us to complete the responsibility. We just got got to do it. So it is time right now for you to trust Jesus. Say, God, let it be unto me according to your word. 
and receive everlasting life. And then the Spirit of God can start answering to the Word of God in your life so that you can let the Word of God do the work of stabilizing you, establishing you, 2 Thessalonians 2, 17, 3, 3, and enabling you to stand in whatever evil comes in this day. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, Jesus only has what you give him. He was born to die. His death was a substitution for you, a substitutionary sacrifice for your sins. And since he exchanged places with you in death in order to get that and get the benefit of that, you've got to now exchange life with him in order to be saved. The devil will do everything he can to keep you from making that choice and making it now. But you have, you have the power to defeat him. All you got to do is give God a yes. All it is is your heart to God in prayer, knowing that he hears, saying, God, let it be unto me according to your word. Just pray and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I mean, I'm going to admit the one thing that I'm taught from a child never to acknowledge. I am a sinner. But today, I'm broken. But today you've shown me a vision of Jesus dying for me. He suffered for me. He bled for me because of my sins so that he could save me. He could redeem me. He could give me everlasting life for my faith in him. I want that life right now, that life that is in Jesus. So I take Jesus as my Lord. Save me. God, save me today for Jesus' sake. Put me in Christ and the Holy Spirit in me. Make me born again. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you prayed that that way today, definitely come here to the front, either while the praise team's leading us in Christmas songs of worship or when they get to the end, come to the front, let us know you prayed that way. I want to give you a copy of my free book, Next Steps for New Believers.